0: The book of Revelation that Brother Mark read this morning. The book of Revelation, chapter 1, the last book in your Bible. The book of Revelation. And we do have a say amen. Amen. I'll pass this down. The book of Revelation, Man, from the Bible. Begin, chapter 1, Begin at verse 4. John, to the seven churches which are in Asia, Greece, oh, Asia, grace be unto you, and peace from him which is and which was and which is to come, and from the seven spirits which are before his throne, and from Jesus Christ who is the faithful witness and the first begotten of the dead and the prince of the kings of the earth unto him that loved us and washed us from our sins in his own blood. Verse 6. And have made us kings and priests unto God and to his father to him be glory and dominion Forever and ever. Amen. Let me sort of off this morning what have you done for me lately? What have you done for me lately? Gratitude has a short memory. George Orwell uh, said that a man receiving charity always hates his benefactor. It's a fixed characteristic of human nature. I call it the pride factor. Amen. We'd much rather do things for ourselves. Um, so, when we are the recipients of an unearned blessing, we tend to discount it quickly and conceal our appreciation. It's not that we don't appreciate the things that are done for us, we just don't like that feeling of obligation that comes with receiving something you don't deserve and didn't earn. The hardest math to master is the one that teaches us how to count our blessings. Amen. It's far easier to forget our blessings than it is to remember our obligations. As Christians, When the Lord brings us to a battle and gives us the victory, it's not long before some of us develop the unappreciative attitude of, what have you done for me lately? We forget that if Christ did not do another thing for us, he has already done enough. Amen? Consider what he's already done for you. First of all, Christ loved us. Look at verse 5. It says in verse 5, unto him that loved us. He didn't just love us. He loved us enough to give his life for us. The Bible says that there is no greater love than a man has than this. In fact, there is no human love that is comparable. But I you read Revelation chapter 4, Mark, and go through to John 3.16. If you can from John 3.16, I'll read it to you. John 3.16 says, For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have everlasting life. Let's narrow it down this focus on this. So for God so loved the world, that can't be correct because if God so loved the world, that would include the earth, the moon, the stars, and everything else, correct? So let's narrow it down. For God so loved creation. That doesn't work because God created everything. Let's narrow it down. For God so loved who he created in his image and likeness, that he sent his only begotten son, that whosoever believeth him are of fit. For God so loved, who, he created his image and likeness, that whosoever believeth in him should not have but have everlasting life. For God so loved. Love always causes inaction. And sometimes love will cause you to do nothing. There's some folks that we call that word a heart the hard way, so we just do nothing and just sit by and watch. That's love. love moves you to do nothing. But then there are times when love moves you to do everything and to sacrifice everything. And what Christ showed us, love. The love of Christ. Watch how it The love of Christ flowed from the cross and continued to flow with you through all your mess. Yes. Even though you think about Christ, his love still flowed towards you, did it not? Yes. And into your salvation. The needs of a person. So Christ did. He looked past our faults, right? And all he saw was our needs. Christ looked past all the bad that you had. He looked past what you were and only saw what you could become in him. That's love. Looking past another person's fault. Some of the greatest judges on earth are found in the church. Oh, we are so judgmental. Now understand me. Which I just said. For God so loved. His image and likeness. Now watch this. You may like the image looking back at you, but it's still an image that God created. So who are you to say that image does not fit your profile of a child of God should look like you? be? Right about so far. But yeah, we do know we I mean. They don't talk like me. They don't walk. They don't dress like me. And there were times when you could eat two-shoes, you didn't fit somebody's profile of what a believer was supposed to be. And truth be told, can't you have the right? Right place, you still can act real ugly. let now we're down in the church. Right about it. Come on, now let's keep thing real. And so, love, love seeks the better of the other person above yourself. That's what Christ showed us. Christ made himself nothing for the better of us. He left the glory of heaven so that we could gain entrance into it. And I find it so fascinating. He endured the pain of the cross, the whipping on his back, the the crown of thorns pressed upon his head. And we find it hard to sacrifice a Sunday morning and to press our way into church. Think about that. He endured the whipping for you. He didn't do anything wrong. He became sinful. You wouldn't have to. And the first thing we say, Sunday morning is my day to sleep in. Christ didn't get a chance to sleep in. And you read in the book, the Bible tells you that when He was praying in the garden of Gethsemane, the pressure was so heavy upon him that the capillaries was heavy getting a burst and his sweat was as blood. That's pressure. That's the weight of the world upon your shoulders. You don't know what pressure is. You don't know living under pressure is what? To the point that says, Your Father, if it's possible, let this cup pass from me. Why? Because he knew it was a full, he had to drink the full, bitter portion of God's wrath. And we say, because it's Sunday, it's my day of rest. It's Sunday, it's bad outside, I'm not going anywhere. Now, watch this. You can practice saying in bed Baptist if you want. Like that, now saying in bed Baptist. You can practice saying in bed Baptist if you want. But watch this, you're not guaranteed nowhere in that Bible enter a deathbed confession. So he loved you, he loved you, and he still loves you. And it's a selfish relationship because why? Because the more he loves you, the less you're willing to do and live for him. Amen. That's selfish. And he still, even in spite of how you act, he still says, I'm going to give him another way out of no way just to show him I'm real. And the more he keeps showing at you that he's real, the more you keep denying the fact that he's real. Let's watch this. Come on, try so far. So, 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 Christ's love is not only selfless, it's unshakable. He loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. You can't chase him away. You can't scare him off or cause him to give up on you. Amen. He's like the Energizer Bunny. He just keeps loving and loving and loving and then loving you some more. He's already loved you enough to last a lifetime, but he just can't stop loving you. His love is powerful, persuasive, pervading, and penetrating. There is no circumstance that can restrict his love. There is no adversity that can hinder his love. There is no obstruction that can block his love. There's no situation that can constrain his love, and there's no power that can control his love. His love supplies your heart with joy, your mind with peace, your hands with strength, your eyes with compassion, your life with meaning, and your soul with salvation. That's he's done for you lately. Wow. Secondly, Christ cleansed you up. He cleans you up. Our text says in verse 5, that he washed us from our sins in his own blood. Revelation. He says that he washed us from our sins in his own blood. It was a bloodbath. The only good bloodbath in history it washed the sin right out of us. Let's go to 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. If I'll read it to you. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, we yeah, have verse 17. Watch this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 17. Watch this. They have to really watch the language here to understand this. I'm going to show you something. Now watch how this works. It says. Therefore, if any man be in Christ, he is a new creature. There's a problem with that, though. I, if I was in Christ, I would have the ability to say correct? Watch well, this now, watch the language. Let's change the relevant. Let's say it like this. Therefore, if Christ be in any man, ah, that fits, doesn't it? Therefore, if Christ be in any man, he is a new creature. Creation. But look it says, old things are passed away. You can't say that you're a new creation in Christ and you're still in hell. You can't say you're a new creation in Christ and you're still bringing the same message you're bringing before you knew Christ. Watch this now. And I always say, some people want to fire, some, some people came to Christ not because you want to change life, you want to fire and your children burn in hell. Right about it? Look it? says, it says though, if any man be in Christ, Which means if your life is lost in Christ, then there should be an exterior change. But watch this. Whatever is going on on the inside will eventually show up on the outside. Not instantaneously. because we're not perfect. But what happens is this. As you take on more and more of Christ, you lose more and more hope, more and more worldliness. Are you with me? So what happens is those words used to drop every five minutes, you now drop them maybe once or twice a day. Hopefully you're not dropping them at all anymore. Amen. That nightlife you once had, that nightlife becomes less and less. You follow me? And as Luther said, when you used to creep, 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 then that creeping should become even less You the point not no more. Do you follow me? Do you follow me? And that whole thing is, is that when you say you come to Christ, there should be some evidence of it in your life. For this church, we don't call ourselves Christians. We call ourselves believers. Why? We believe what the word says. That if I truly come to Christ, then my life should be changed. Everything about me should change. If I came to Christ and my finances would jacked up, my finances don't get healed instantaneously but I become a better steward over God's blessing. Yes, yes. Are you with me? Where you used to blow your money, now you realize it's not yours. It belongs to God. You have an obligation to be a good steward over it. That my has changed. And what happens is as you get deeper and deeper in Christ and Christ gets deeper and deeper in you, he begins to remove people out of your life. Because you're a new creation. You got some folks over here like a church mess. And that's okay. Because it's God who moved them out of your life. And when God moves them, he moves them in such a way that there's no hard feelings. The problem is this: God moves folks out of your life, you keep reaching back Future, I help you. If God wanted you to dig up your past, He would have gave you a shovel, and it wouldn't be called Facebook. (laughs) Right about it. Oh, Facebook has caused a lot of problems in relationships. Oh, trust me, it really has. And let's keep this thing real. You can't say it to a new creation in Christ, and Christ has delivered you from your past, and you keep reaching back. Oh, Facebook, the social media where the fact can be as thin as they want to look in a picture. Come on now, you 40 years old putting the high school picture up. You look nothing like that photo. Show <laughs> the real you. Write about it. So I'm a new creation. I'm a new creation. So what happens is, watch this. Because I'm a new creation. The things that define my past no longer do. used to curse you. All I do now is pray for you. Amen. So all I do for this is pray for you now. She can to get nasty something. But God, God. Something got on the inside that began over time to show up on the outside. And here's the problem that we have. Stop worrying about your outside and get your inside right. Because the outside ain't going to heaven. Amen. Are you with me? You're so worried about, well, I know how to look for church. We gotta act in church too. Don't mean you're gonna you say it ain't going to heaven. There's a word that the Bible uses called hypocrites. It means hypocrite. It means to play a part. Which means you have the person in church that knows how when they're around church folk how to talk and act churchy, mm-hmm. But they also have when they're around the world how to act worldly to them. Yes. But here's the problem. Is that the world will <coughs> pull you out before you bring them in. Yes. And you'll forget who you're supposed to be which is a child of God. I thank God for every person that you took out of my life he gave me something more eternal in this place. Because God is not a father ever going to leave you empty or lonely. He always, when you ever remove something or something out of your life, he always puts something or someone else in his place. The problem is, we don't like waiting for God like we're choosing ourselves. But let me help you. Whatever you choose, you will always choose wrong. You just will. And don't please, don't put God in this position where you know you have somebody who's not God. Ain't thinking about God. You trying to do the right thing going to church. You say, God, make him hurt godly. You know what you got when they weren't godly. How can you ask God and obligate God to fix what you did not ordain? Because he said in his word, do you be not unequally yoked? what it says, correct? I can do this all day. Watch this. So let's continue on. So, watch this, watch this, watch this, watch, it, watch, it, watch this. So he watched the sin right out of us. We were bitter, blemished, bloody, and beside ourselves. Our human goodness had been corrupted. Our human thought had been contaminated. Our human desires had been infected. Our human hopes had been ruined by the invasion of sin. Sin. Sin is a brat that nobody should claim. Right that. Sin is a brat that nobody should claim and sin is a thing that nobody should want to hold. Watch this thing. So sin promised pleasure would only produce pain. Sin promise lately. And finally, Christ made you an heir to the kingdom. Look at verse 6. That he hath made us kings and priests unto God. He gave you love, he gave you life, and he also gave you position. Look at this. He hath made us kings and priests unto God. You were scraping the bottom of life's barrel. And Christ elevates you to the top. Think about that. Think about that. You were scraping at some point the bottom of life's barrel and Christ elevated you to the top. Amen. You were a stepchild in Satan's lair and Christ your heir to the throne of God. And one day you were stand in that priestly possession of promise enjoying eternal life with Christ. Watch this. We're going to go to 1 Corinthians chapter 15 verse fifty. 1 Corinthians 15 verse Watch this. You are here positional. But if you're a child of God, your position in heaven is already reserved. So every time you go to God in prayer, you are taking possession of your heavenly position. Why? Because you have to go to God in the spirit, not in your flesh. Which means if you accept the Christ here, your place in heaven is already marked. I'll show you the book. It's already marked and reserved. So every time you go down in prayer, you're taking possession of your heavenly position. Let's go 1 Corinthians. What is 1550? Okay. 1 Corinthians. What verse? What chapter? 15. Chapter 15, okay. 1 Corinthians, chapter 15. Look at this, I'll show you. Now, this I say, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. Right, Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. But let's do something. Let me, let me just stop one second. Kings and priests. We talked about good men and good women. If you understand that Christ is Lord of lords and king of kings, that means if you accept Measure as your savior, that you accept that his shed blood there is a DNA change that takes place within you. That you now become royalty. You understand that? Right? Here's the problem. It's hard to to walk as a king and just act like a court jester. Are you with me? We got too many folks. He doesn't want to wear a crown. you doesn't know your royalty. It's all how you conduct yourself, and the funny thing is, the way you conduct yourself is how people receive you wherever you go. Think about that. The way you conduct, they can tell whether or not you're a kingdom kid or a kid who dwells. in cannot inherit the kingdom of God, neither does corruption inherit incorruption. Verse 51 Behold, I show you a mystery. Here's a mystery. I'm going to reveal this to you. Here's a mystery. i we'll show you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we all shall be changed. Oh, we're all not going to die. No, no. We're all not going to die. But we all will be changed. But watch the What it says. It says, But we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, for the trump trumpet shall sound and the dead shall be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Who's the we? The one to remain. America, the reunion in the sky, is not the reunion in the sky. At the last trump, the sky is going to crack open and we shall be gathered inside and meet Christ there. Now, here's the thing. You have, you have three types of church in the fold. Three times. We have the ones that will be caught up to meet him in the sky. We'll see him when we'll we gather to meet him in the sky. Then you have the other church folk that will be sitting there watching wonders happen. Then the last one wondering what happened. Don't be the one who's sitting wondering what happened. You have to know that you're like the last trunk when the sky opens, that you know without a doubt, you'll be gathered in the sky to be Christ. Just keep the verse. What it says. It says, watch this, it says. We shall all all sleep, verse 21, we shall all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkle of an eye, at the last trump, for the trumpet shall sound, and the dead shall be raised incorruptible, and we shall be changed. For this corruptible must put on incorruption, and this mortal must put on immortality. So when this corruptible shall put on incorruption and this mortal shall I put on immortality which means I'm going to lose this flesh and take on an ever living spirit watch this it says? then shall I be brought to pass the saying that is written death is swallowed up in victory so as a believer for me to close my eyes here me, my eyes open in glory do you follow me? Now, for those who die, not knowing Christ, hell has not been established I, 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 don't, I don't like when people say that you die, but hell you don't. Hell is not established the great throne of judgment. For those who die, not knowing Christ and not receiving Christ, they go to a place called Sheol, which is the holding place, where they are constantly aware of the fact that they're waiting for judgment day to go to hell. Okay, the great throne of judgment. It's called Sheol. You can look it up, all right? So, watch this. So, what happens is, and I said before, the hell is not waiting for Judgment Day. The hell is getting to heaven, seeing all that you could have had, and realizing you can't stay. Is that not hell? To see everything that you could have, everything you could have had. You could have had it I believe it, and the reason why: is sixty-six books, forty different authors, and yet the theme is kept throughout the book. Secondly, let's say it's not. Would you really want to risk your? It says, Death is swallowed in victory. Verse 55. O death, where is thy sting? O grave, where is thy victory? The sting of death is sin, and the strength of sin is the law. But thanks be to God. But thanks be to God, which gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ. Watch this. It doesn't say, thanks be to God that we're waiting for the victory, it doesn't say, thanks be to God that victory is coming. It's saying, like even before this happens, you already got the victory as a believer. And the victory is not at the gathering in the sky. The victory is every day of your life that you walk with the Lord. What's the victory? I hope with the victory. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. That's a victory. Greater is he was in me than he is in the world. That's a victory. No weapon formed against me shall prosper. I'll help you. Generic and you can custom make one if you want. What? That won't prevail either. So no weapon formed against me shall prosper. Is that not a victory? Amen. That's the victory the Bible is talking about. The gathering in the sky is just a cherry on top. God would give us the victory through we talked a little bit about being in Christ and Christ being in you this is how you get the victory, it's through Christ nothing that you can do I don't care how clean and how good you think you are I don't care how how clean you think you are Christ is the door he's the door and the Bible says, here's the, thing, here's the thing, the Bible says there's only one name under heaven, give them among men, whereby you must be saved, the name of Jesus Christ. And the thing about the door, you can't go around it, you can't go over it, you can't wander you've got to go through the door. Yes. You've got to go through the door. And I'll help you. You may say, well, I pray to God every night. Uh, that's like writing. That's like writing a letter and not attaching a postage stamp to it. Jesus Christ is your stamp that gets your letter to its destination. Do you follow me? Which is why we say, in Jesus' name. Amen. And it is so. Do you follow me? I kind know of some people say, well, I don't believe in that Jesus stuff. But I, I, I do believe in God. Well, you we can't break him up. Because it's Father, Son, and Holy Ghost. And before he became flesh, he was the Word in Genesis. Yes, he was. And the Word became flesh and dwelt among us as the only begotten of the Father. So you can't split them up. First John says there were three which bear witness in heaven. And these three agree as one, because these three are one. The Father, Son, and the Holy Spirit. So you can't have one without the others. Are you with me? Ah, uh, he was all day. I'm not so far here. They quiet this morning. That's okay. That's okay. So yeah, gratitude. But I know the quietest, I'm hitting home this morning. Gratitude has a short memory. Jordan Orwell's right. We should we rather do things by ourselves. That's our normal human nature. We don't want to be obliged to anyone else. But there are some things you can't do for yourself. You can't cleanse yourself from your own sin because filth can't clean up filth. And the more you try, the dirtier you get. Are you with so far? And you can't stand the presence of God. became sin for us, who knew no sin, why do you think that God would look upon you in your mess? We'll be the point of getting right. If I'm getting blessed trying to live right, and you're getting blessed raised in hell, we'll be the point of getting right. So you find yourself stuck, ostracized, damned, and doomed unless you come through the door Jesus Christ, who loved us and cleansed us and made us fit to stand before the throne of God's grace. Maybe it's time you communicated with Christ that you're alive and well and shown some gratitude for what he's done for you lately. Amen. Instead of being Jimmy Sam the gimme man, why don't you start to tell God, thank you for what you've done already. Amen. And you do nothing else for me. The fact that you saved my soul, the fact Else. Amen. So maybe it's time that Christ learned to appreciate what He's done for you. That He took you from the gutter and lifted you to glory. That He took you from hell and reserved your place in heaven. That He took you from despair and filled your heart with delight. That He took you from the shadows and placed you in the sunshine. The S O N shine. Mm. My God. That He took you from prison and placed you in Confession is just the beginning of the expression of your gratitude. Confess Christ as your Savior and your heavy burdens will become bearable. Confess Christ as your Savior and your high mountains will become climbable. Confess Christ as your Savior and your lonely nights will become livable. Confess Christ as your Savior and your daily pressures will become manageable. An anchor that will never fail. He has given you a hope that will never fade. He has given you a life that will never dim. What has Christ done for you lately? Maybe it's time to come out of your spiritual amnesia and forget not all his <laughs> benefits. My God. The words that he loved you so much that he paid the price for your sins. And he is right now sitting at the right hand of the Father, petitioning God's grace and mercy for your life. Shake off that spiritual menace uh, of ingratitude and restore Christ to first place in your life. Christ who was oppressed and afflicted for you. Christ who was wounded and bruised for you. Christ who was despised and rejected for you. Christ who was crucified and crushed for you. He became your offering for sin. That's what he's done for you lately. Please stand with me.